Welcome to Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News this week. We join you from the legendary TVNZ Beehive studio at Parliament. And joining me very kindly is Chris Bramwell, who's the Deputy Political Editor at Radio New Zealand. So thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. And chatting about most of the stories this week that you've also covered. So it's, it's very handy indeed. Let's start off by talking about housing. It was the, one of the first pre-budget announcements made by the government and this was my track from that. Susanna Hendry and her family of six have been living in emergency housing for seven months while they wait for a state house. The rent went up, they moved in with friends, and when it got too crowded, they had nowhere to go. When you pay $500 of rent every week, you don't have any money left for, um, to buy grocery and um, some stuff for the kids. So it's struggling. Now the government is promising more money to tackle homelessness. No one needs to live in a car this winter. The government will spend $100 million to fix homelessness throughout the country. A one-off $37 million will pay for 1,500 short-term emergency housing places. And $63 million will be spent over the next four years on a programme called Housing First. It provides housing with no conditions uh, such as psychiatric treatment or sobriety. It's a programme which has been highly successful at ending homelessness. I'm disappointed. I think it's actually a big step backwards. Uh, it's basically a third of the funding that National already had in place and uh, funding that's been reprioritised. In other words, it's actually not new money. There are 6,000 families waiting for a state home. We can create all of the um, transitional housing we like, but if there's not a pipeline into social housing and affordable rentals, then people get jammed. Today's announcement includes $8 million for motels, something Labour was very critical of in opposition. If we have to do that, mm. in order to ensure people have a roof over their heads, we will. It's no accident the government has picked housing for its first budget announcement. It was a hot topic during the election campaign. And the Prime Minister is hinting it's not the only investment in housing we'll see in this month's budget. We want to meet immediate need this winter, uh, but ultimately we have a plan. A plan to stop scenes like this. So, as we saw there in that track, first pre-budget announcement, housing. Not a major shock. It's their big topic that they want to hit the ground running on. Absolutely. And homelessness has been, it's a very visual problem. And it was a real, I think, Achilles heel for the national-led government. It's something that people could see very visually. And then we had that whole Tapuia Marae thing where people, the marae opened its doors. And that was also a real problem for national as well. So I think it's something that is... Um, it's something that the public care a lot about because they see it. And I think it's probably something that was maybe quite predictable as a first pre-budget announcement because you can put the money in. It's something that every feels, everyone feels good about. But I think there will be more in housing, obviously, in the budget because, as you say, it's one of their big ticket items. Listening to that announcement by them as well, um, we they said in repetitively, no one will be sleeping in cars this winter, no one will be sleeping in cars this winter and um, at one point in the story I was going to put those all together but just to emphasise that was their clear message that they wanted to get across. We ended up just using it once but that that image that you're talking about that people can see on the streets, that's what, that's what the government was aware of and also they were so vocal on it in the mm, campaign absolutely. that they had to come out and 
and do something about it. Yeah, but setting out promises like that, they're pretty bold and I think sometimes can be a little bit dangerous because, of course, we as the media will hold those bits of audio or that bit of vision where they're saying that no one will be sleeping in cars, no one will be sleeping rough, and then, of course, at the end of winter, you know, there probably actually will still be some people sleeping rough and in their cars. So those are actually quite big promises to make and I think a bit dangerous for a new government. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I found really interesting in that, and I didn't include in, in our story, and I'm not sure if you did in yours, but was appealing to the public and to charity groups to do what they can mm. as well. Mm. What did you make of that? Well, I think they obviously feel that they can't do everything. I mean, the government can put some money and it can support those groups, but really they are the ones on the front lines that actually have to do the work and that receive those people and know them best. So I think that's probably quite smart because you do have to work in partnership as government with, with these groups on a regular basis. So I think that's their idea is that we give you some money, we work together. And perhaps gives that um, political backstop, if you like, for if... There, if it doesn't completely eradicate Just it. Just blame them. Kind of, you know <laughs> what I mean? Sharing the blame or, or, or spreading the responsibility, yes, if I you like, right. without, being, without being too cynical about mm, it, I mm. guess. Um, but we've had, multi, unsurprisingly, given where we are in the political cycle, we've had multiple pre-budget announcements this week. The second one um, we had was on children. This is a drop-in centre to help women who find themselves in violent situations. Some of the issues that we face are very complex. Issues such as forced marriage, underage marriage, honour-based violence. Shakti Women's Centre provides domestic violence intervention, counselling and legal help for ethnic women. The numbers are increasing with each passing year. But it's been on the verge of closure and they're not the only ones struggling. We've had to cut some services, we've had to, we haven't been able to give good wage increases to our staff, we've had to actually lay staff off. Organisations like this may have just been given a lifeline. The government today announcing a boost for around 150 providers of family violence services of $76 million over four years. There are actually some well-known services that are frequently used by families in need who are really struggling just to meet the demand that they have now. Uh, the likes of Women's Refuge or groups like Shakti, um, this is about making sure that they can keep their doors open and keep doing the work they do. The Prime Minister says it's the first funding increase to frontline services in a decade, but National says it did invest in the sector well, $169 million that our government invested in 2016 um, I think really speaks to the um, commitment that our government made. There's stories of people telling seven different organisations that they're in danger and then it takes a police call out before they get a response. Family violence not the only focus today but also child poverty. Family violence is one of the biggest problems in creating poverty. A select committee today looking at the issue with many calling on the government to go further. I'm excited, I think there's a real opportunity for this to be a game changing budget but it's got to be more than just a one off. And it's likely we'll see more funding for families and child poverty in next week's budget. The Prime Minister saying today she wants to reduce child poverty to historic lows. But those working on the front line say it needs to go beyond this budget and be sustainable.
So obviously Jacinda Ardern as the new Prime Minister, in opposition she was the children's spokesperson. She's made much of the fact that she wants to have this sense of well-being and she talks a lot about the children and poverty. So the speech this week was quite significant for her. It was to the Salvation Army, so it was a an audience that was going to receive everything she said well. But it was a real focus on poverty and within that she made that domestic violence announcement. And I think when you look at the statistics on domestic violence, which I did when I did my story, they're really staggering and quite depressing. Like in 2016, the police were attending an incident every five minutes, which is really wow. staggering, you know. And when you put that out there, you think, actually, we have to do something. But the other side of that, I guess, is I also interviewed Ange Jury, and she said, you can just throw so much money at this, but people keep beating their partners. Like, it just keeps happening. It's a really pervasive thing. So, you know, it's difficult. But I think as an announcement, it's something that... It really affects people, like mm. the whole domestic violence aspect. And New Zealand has such a problem with it. And in a way, I feel like it's a bit of a national shame for some people. But I think also the linking by Jacinda Ardern in there about domestic violence and poverty being really interlinked is really important as well. Yeah. And I mean, this was this was another big tip ticket mm. item she talked about a lot, something that they really want to focus on. And again, fronting up, I guess one of the examples there was the Women's Refuge getting more funding as well. And I don't think there's anyone who would come out and say, oh, no, that's not a good thing to be spending taxpayer money on. Do you know no, what I mean? Things right. like that. And then being able to talk about how they have been underfunded um, for a while and being able to do things like this. So mm. another, I guess, when they're deciding what they're going to do as their pre-budget announcements, they will be deciding on the areas that they really want to emphasise because, of course, on budget day, there's a lot going on and things can be lost. So picking out these things like housing, um, like children, like domestic violence, to really highlight them um, is, is, I guess, a strategic decision by the government on, on what they want to do. But I think um, a little lesson perhaps in how things don't really change very much. Um, we dug out of the archive a very interesting um, clip of our um, dear Deputy Prime Minister um, delivering the budget 21 years ago. So take a look at this. Winston Peters, big day out. Well, it's just one more uh, uh, event in... Uh what has been a very interesting political career. Coalition MPs saw the budget first, just half an hour before it was presented in Parliament. No glossy cover, but according to Mr Peters, proof positive this coalition will make a difference. Your coalition is working. <laughs> we won't buckle to pressure. We will keep on working to deliver on our promises the promises we made. When Jim Bolger and Winston Peters signed the coalition deal last December, they agreed to a three-year, $5 billion spending programme. Today's budget shows that spending is still the government's first priority. That's unlikely to impress business leaders, consistently calling on the government to cut back its spending. Business needs to understand the reality of politics. There was an election last year. There has been a change of government. And if they want to have a sound economic pathway in this country, then this is the political mix that will deliver it. That mix includes big spending in health, education and welfare. One promise kept and likely to be controversial relates to asset sales. New Zealand First campaigned against them. The coalition identified six so-called strategic assets not for sale. Today's budget makes it clear every other asset is now on the block. We will look at them on a 
one by one, case by case basis, using plain common sense. I'm very happy with the budget. I think it's a very bold budget. It sets out some very bold signals in the text of the document of further work that we're going to do as a government. Do you think it's a bit depressing that nothing's changed or is it reassuring? I'm not really sure. It's hard to know really, isn't it? But it's obviously the same old things, isn't yeah. it? Health, education and housing yeah. are still the big ticket items. Yeah. You know, what I was amazed about in that track though is how youthful Winston Pierce <laughs> is looking. Are we being unkind to him? But um, he's, he's, he's done a lot of, fought a lot of political fights in between there and there and now. But it also, I just think it's funny how you look at those images and it's almost exactly the same as what we're going to be doing on Thursday. And, it is. Um, you know, the media scrums and things like that. Um, nice to hear Linda Clark's voice in there as well. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, we heard, I heard her speaking um, at the Hillary Clinton oh, event right. earlier in the week. It, yeah, and of it. course the former political editor of TVNZ. Um but again, on budget stuff, um, we had this big announcement for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade, mm. Winston Peters, there again featuring. Um, so let's have a look at this track. Our Foreign Affairs Minister promised to press reset on our relationship with the Pacific. Now he's got the cash to do it. $714 million for climate change and humanitarian projects. We need respect and we intend to get it back. That's because countries like China are stepping in. For example, China paid for this wharf in Vanuatu. Over probably about the past decade, uh, New Zealand has arguably sort of dropped the ball in the region. We've assumed that we have strong relationships with the Pacific. We've assumed that we have influence. This announcement is, uh, is a way that um, re-engage New Zealand with the Pacific. The minister choosing his language carefully. If countries who think right aren't there, and many countries who think wrong will fill the space. Are you talking about China there? I'm not naming any countries, because there's a number of engagements in the Pacific which are adverse. Australia has followed our lead, announcing in its budget a record $1.3 for the Pacific. They were seriously, honestly appreciative and impressed with what we're doing when they heard the budget that we want to do. And is that because you share concerns about outside influences on the Pacific? Well, yes. But it's not just Australia. The Foreign Affairs Minister says the UK and France have both conveyed their pleasure at New Zealand turning its attention back to the Pacific, a sign that the world is watching our little corner of the world. On top of the Pacific aid, 190 million over four years has been set aside for 50 new diplomats, mainly in Asia, reopening the embassy in Sweden's capital Stockholm, and for hosting the APEC leaders meeting in New Zealand in 2021. But National says it's just a coalition bribe. They've just got their priorities wrong. It should be doctors, not diplomats. Regardless, diplomats and diplomatic ties are set to be bolstered with this big pre-budget spend-up. So what's really interesting there is that's nearly a billion dollars over four years on foreign affairs and trade, more than 900 million. And when we had a first look at the speech suddenly you think that is a massive chunk of change from a government that has been saying how tight and how stretched right. it is. They've been saying don't expect too much, but here's a million bucks yeah, for your A foreign, billion dollars. A billion, yeah, yeah, a billion yeah. for you. But I think uh, obviously this is something that Winston Peters is very passionate about. Remember back in 2000 and that last time he was a foreign minister, he also gave MFAT a pretty big bump as well. And all through the time that he was in opposition, he was heavily critical of national and the way that they froze funding for MFAT and the way they changed that aid was more about economic development than actually just pure 
aid. Mm. So he has been making these noises for quite a long time. And I know, you know, National was quite critical of this MFAT announcement saying that it was just payback to Winston Peters from Labour for doing a deal with him to become government. And in a way, it kind of is because it would have been part of the coalition talks. It's just how you frame that argument, whether it's payback Absolutely. or well negotiated. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can spin either way. Exactly. But I do remember um, when I was in Parliament last time, I did lots of stories about the, um, the restructure that happened. Mm. And Labour in opposition then, were very critical of the way that um, that diplomats were being stripped of some of their perks That's and right. the way we were closing down embassies and mm. things like that. So it's not like it's not close to their hearts. It just seems perhaps like an unusually large sum of money. I did ask the Prime Minister about it, though. I said, you know, look, when every all the MPs are lining up, oh, sorry, all the ministers are lining up and saying, you know, can I, can I have some money, please, for the budget? Um, and I said, oh, do you give any more wait to Mr Peter's requests because he obviously is the coalition partners and with a slight twinkle in her eye she said um, I give every minister the very same hearing so um, <laughs> she would say that yeah though, right? yeah but I just think it it's it's big money it is big money it is and a lot of focusing to the Pacific which yeah. I thought was also really interesting you know and he signaled that back in Australia I think was it in February or March when he was there Sydney he, yeah in Sydney yeah. and he talked about the reset the Pacific yeah. reset and now he's following through with that and yeah. that's that's a really interesting turn and in focus I think as well putting more money into our Pacific neighbours and I guess in a way it kind of reflects you know the Obama pivot as well, which is a turn away from Europe and looking towards the Asia-Pacific, recognising that it's a region that is growing and not just in population but massively economic, economically as well. Mm. And, it's, and the Pacific, in terms of that, is hugely strategic. Yeah. And that's where that whole kind of um, fending off the influence of China comes in, I think, because they have been heavily investing in the Pacific as well. And I know we question Winston Peters a lot on that, and of course he says, no, it's it's all sorts of foreign players, it's not just China, but I think when you read the between the lines, you see China. Yeah, it's <laughs> right? almost like Voldemort, the name we shall not say <laughs> exactly. in public, the China, he was like, no, 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 I don't specifically mean China. He absolutely means China, mm. and, it's, and it's one of the things that, one of the reasons they're switching back. We've taken the Pacific for granted, and... Um, even though we have a, um, a, obviously a, a large population of Pacific people living here in New Zealand, mm. we've got to look after that relationship. And it's a, it's a, a friendship, it's a relationship, it's strategic. And um, I think that going back and focusing on that, um, China have been able to, um, how do we put it, give a lot of gifts to the Pacific for things like influence over the South China That's Sea right. and, and um, all of those kinds of things. So in terms of their its power, I think it's important that we don't forget about mm. our mates over there. Mm. Mm. What did you make as well of the criticisms that they got around that line that was coming from National if they chose diplomats over doctors? That was, I thought that was quite a clever it's quite line, catchy, actually. Eh? Yeah, it's yeah. quite catchy. I used it. Um, yeah, and, and that, but that's what it comes down to, mm. doesn't it? Because for most people sitting at home, and I put this to the minister when I talked to him, I said, people don't get why foreign affairs and trade is a big deal. And he was yeah. like, well, they don't think it's their number one priority until they get in trouble overseas or until they want to have trade overseas. That wasn't a very good impression of Winston <laughs> Peters. I probably should have toned that down a bit. You should have but, put a bit of a yeah, yeah. in there. <laughs> but, you know, and it's not until you want that trade and you want that influence mm. that people realise. I think for most of us who have travelled to um, posts overseas um, and had interaction with embassies overseas, you realise their power and their influence. Mm. But... Mm. For a lot of people sitting at home, they'd much 
they they'll feel like it's much more important to have the doctors and the nurses and the things that the government That's right. Promised. They just see the dollars kind of drifting off mm. overseas when actually that, that in a way is quite true what Winston Peters says around, you know, New Zealand's a very outward-facing nation mm. and all our exporters are heavily dependent on the work that the di- diplomatic posts do to mm. make sure that those trade routes remain open. You know, like even the stuff this week with Iran, you know, it's yeah. been post in Tehran that's actually been doing all that kind of work. Mm. So those links, I don't think the government's very good at reminding people of why that money's why that money being spending it on diplomats yeah. is good. Because a lot of people would have been Stockholm. Yeah. Why do we need an embassy but in Stockholm? I, th- you know? I kind of agree with that because, I mean, Sweden doesn't have an embassy here. Um, we have some relationships there. But apart from being um, a very good example of how, you know, an aspirational country in mm. lots of different ways, I'm I'm not sure why that was chosen over a, a myriad of other examples that yeah. would have been useful. But um, I guess it's access to the rest of Scandinavia and things like that. But I thought, yeah, it does seem like an interesting choice and not, as you say, not the easiest sell yeah exactly (laughs) but look we might have to leave it there it's been great to have you with us on inside parliament it's our weekly catch-up about the stories we've been covering on one news our podcast is available every thursday evening on the one news facebook page and check us out on your favorite podcasting app and thank you very much for chris Chris, for being with us thanks for having me 